Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 2. Wait, did, did we really just read that? Does the Bible actually speak so harshly? against one who is controlled or driven by his appetite? Is a lust for food really that bad? And if so, then why? I mean, it's just food, right? Well, yes, actually, the Bible does speak that harshly and for very good reason because it actually is a fruit or an evidence of a lack of self-control. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So if you don't have it, if you have a lust or a driving desire, then that's actually a fruit or evidence that you are being controlled or led by another spirit. This is why Paul tells us in the scripture that he put his body into subjection lest he would fall. Even after that he had preached to others, he understood this, that he had to continue to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to tell God yes and to tell every other voice of influence no. He had to be in self-control so that he could willfully choose to trust, follow, obey, give his free will over to the Holy Spirit every day, just like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, not my will, but thy will be done. This is all part of crucifying the flesh. And this is one of the ways that that is tested and manifested. A lack of self-control is a gateway to the wrong road. That wide path that leads to destruction just like it was for Adam and Eve, if you really think about it. A desire for the pleasant things leads men into selfishness, which hurts not only them, but others in the process. Again, I remind you that self-control is a fruit or a character or an evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, having the opposite of self-control is proof of submission to the leading of another spirit. So yes, we need to take our appetite more serious like the scriptures tell us. This is not legalism. This is just plain wisdom. Because we know that the wages of sin is death and that if we listen to the voice of any spirit other than the Holy Spirit, it's going to be detrimental to us. If we choose to listen to that spirit that is ruled by its own lust, its own belly, its own desires, then it won't stop with just what you're eating. It will begin to justify selfishness, greed, and excess in every area. Jesus said this unto the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, verse 5. He said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter. In other words, you put on the show and you make it look like you are so holy and right and righteous. But within, you are full of extortion and excess. Jesus called excess a sin. And even though others may not have seen it, God did. 
Jesus used this same strong language many times. Here's another passage in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, where he says, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe on me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, you might question why I include this passage, because more often than not, we tend to look at it as God expressing his great disdain for those who hurt children. And it does apply to that, because he does take that sin very, very, very seriously. However, that's actually not the context of the overall passage. The passage as a whole that this verse comes out of was actually talking about those who are young in the faith, not physical children, but spiritual children. And realizing this takes it to a whole new depth that God would say that it would be better for someone to face the judgment for having drowned themselves in the sea and have their own blood on their hands than to face it covered in the blood of the innocent. And of course that applies to both physical and spiritual children. God takes it very seriously when one of these little ones is offended. Oh, my friend, do not offend and scatter those who are young in the faith, or you will face the judgment day with their blood on your hands and that of all of those who they were meant to reach if only they had made it to maturity in the faith. This is a very great and grievous and serious thing, and I believe that it plays into why the Bible uses the same strong language in our opening passage about those who will allow themselves to be ruled by the lust of their flesh, by their own belly, by their desires, by what they wanted. Because being in ministry for many years, I had seen this pattern that those who are given to appetite, those who like the pleasant things in life, those who are controlled by their belly have a root of selfishness in them that will eventually manifest and cause them to offend spiritual children. Nothing offends and discourages the spiritually young like acts of selfishness. When a person thinks of themselves, when they want what they want, then they will do what they want. And hurt others doing it. For food. For money. For a girl or a boyfriend. For a position. For attention. For control. For the pleasant things. For what they want. Excess. Selfishness. Greed. Gluttony. Different branches. From the same tree. And it should never be found amongst God's family. Because it's not coming from his root. The source is not the influence of his spirit. The Bible tells us that these things come not from above, but from below. They are, they are selfish. They are devilish. As Christians, we are called to sacrifice for the cause of Christ. To esteem others better than self. To labor, to birth, and to raise up spiritual sons and daughters. To put them first before our own desires. To keep our flesh in subjection. To live and to demonstrate selflessness. To do without 
and to suffer rejection in order to show the least, the forgotten, and even the hated that God is willing to fight for them. So learn to tell your flesh no and your selfishness to go and to do what you need to do to fight for souls. Because yes, we do know that offenses will come, but when it does, especially amongst the church and the brethren, let it be for the sake of the gospel and not for acts of selfishness. Philippians chapter 3 verse 17 tells us this, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Paul was telling them to look at him and those who were with him, to use them as an example of those who had the right spirit and those who were contrary to it to take notice. He said, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Lord, give us eyes to see and a heart that understands what you are speaking. Yes, you do take fasting very seriously. You do take bringing the body into subjection very seriously. You do want us to live, to eat, to breathe, to act with wisdom by the leading of your spirit, to do that which is expedient, which is a good example of self-control and all of the fruits of the spirit. But above all, We have to not allow ourselves to ever be complacent in the face of the influence of a spirit of selfishness, of greed, of envy, of covetousness. Don't let us ever become callous. Lord, we ask for fresh conviction. Oh yes, we know. How often do we pray for fresh infilling? Oh, for fresh anointing. Oh, for fresh power, for fresh revelation. No, today we are praying For the more needed thing, we pray for fresh conviction, for the fear of the Lord, and for greater reverence. Oh, Lord, give us a love in our heart for souls, for the lost, for the brethren. Let us fight for them with all due diligence. Let us pray with fervent endurance. Let us love them that have been wounded. Let us be willing to sacrifice and to put aside our own wants and desires that we might find time to do the will of the Father. What does it matter if we skip a meal or two, if it gives us more time to do what you've called us to? Jesus himself said, to do the Father's will is my meat. So we bind and rebuke and break agreement with the Spirit of gluttony and in doing so do we shut the gate of selfishness there are so many within the body of christ today that have become distracted by the promised land that they have been given that they have started to worship it rather the one that gave it to them they have stopped possessing it and have rather become possessed by the spirits in it that they were supposed to counter and cast out of it. Mammon, greed, excess, vainglory. 
understand what I am saying. There is a stripping coming to prepare the bride for her adorning. Because you can't put robes of righteousness on top of robes that are spotted with selfishness. So I tell you this very plainly today. That there is an economic storm coming. Just like for Egypt in the Old Testament, the years of plenty are ending. The Josephs are in position. And we are about to transition into the lean years. God has a reason. Get under the covering and get ready for what's coming. Because there is a provision for those who have been selfless who have trusted in biblical principles, who have lived by the teachings of Jesus. Remember Joseph. Remember the widow woman. Remember the loaves and fishes. In the story of Joseph, we saw that he maintained his faith and his integrity through years of lack and neglect and false accusations. He worked hard no matter where he was. He believed God. And his promises. He went from serving in a prison to ruling from a palace. In the time of plenty, he was the one lacking. But in the time of lacking and famine, because of his faithfulness, God supplied him with abundance. Not for his own good, but because that his character in the good years proved that God could trust him to distribute the goods that God gave to him. To those who needed them. Not least among them his own family. The ones who put him in those difficult situations. In the first place. Oh the Lord is watching. How have you handled. Provision. Can he trust you to distribute. What's needed in the midst of what's coming. Remember the widow woman. She gave everything. That she had to serve God. And the man of God first. And God poured out on her. In a time of famine. That she would never lack for anything. Oh I wonder how many she was able to feed. From those vessels of oil and wheat. That never ran dry. Remember the little boy. Who gave up all of his lunch. His five little loaves and fish. To Jesus. He didn't eat first and give him the crumbs that were left. He gave him all of it. God blessed it, multiplied it, used it to feed the masses, and then ended up giving back 12 baskets of overflow. Oh, God is more than able and willing to provide for those who need, but he is watching to see if you trust him. Were you greedy? Were you gluttonous? Were you selfish? Were you lazy? Were you self-concerned in the years of plenty? Or were you hardworking, selfless, looking to the needs of others like Ruth was? Ruth was concerned for her mother-in-law. She could have left her to go tend to her own needs and make her own life, but she wouldn't leave. And because of it, she went from gleaning in a field to owning it. God is watching you better close the gate of selfishness while you still can so that God can open the gate of provision in the face of what's coming this message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries 
To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.